2 Samuel 7. When the king lived in his house, and Yahweh had given him rest from all his enemies all around, the king said to Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but God's ark dwells within curtains. Nathan said to the king, Go, do all that is in your heart, for Yahweh is with you. That same night, Yahweh's word came to Nathan, saying, Go and tell my servant David. Yahweh says, Should you build me a house for me to dwell in? For I have not lived in a house since the day that I brought the children of Israel up out of Egypt, even to this day, but have moved around in a tent and in a tabernacle. In all places in which I have walked with all the children of Israel, did I say a word to any of the tribes of Israel, whom I commanded to be shepherd over my people Israel, saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now therefore tell my servant David this, Yahweh of armies says, I took you from the sheep pen, from following the sheep, to be prince over my people, over Israel. I have been with you wherever you went, and have cut off all your enemies from before you. I will make you a great name, like the name of the great ones who are in the earth. I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and will plant them, that they may dwell in their own place and be moved no more. The children of wickedness will not afflict them any more as at first. And as from the day that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel, I will cause you to rest from all your enemies. Moreover, Yahweh tells you that Yahweh will make you a house. When your days are fulfilled and you sleep with your fathers, I will set up your offspring after you, who will proceed out of your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he will be my son. If he commits iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men, and with the stripes of the children of men. But my loving kindness will not depart from him, as I took it from Saul, whom I put away before you. Your house and your kingdom will be made sure forever before you. Nathan spoke all these words and according to all this vision. Then David the king went in and sat before Yahweh and he said, Who am I, Lord, Yahweh, and what is my house that you have brought me this far? This was yet a small thing in your eyes, Lord Yahweh, but you have sp spoken also of your servant's house for a great while to come, and this among men, Lord Yahweh. What more can David say to you? For you know your servant, Lord Yahweh. For your word's sake, and according to your own heart, you have worked all this greatness to make your servant know it. Therefore you are great, Yahweh God. There is no one like you, neither is there any God beside you, according to all that we have heard with our ears. What one nation in the earth is like your people, even like Israel? whom God went to redeem for himself for a people, and to make himself a name, and to do great things for you, and awesome things for your land, before your people, whom you redeemed to yourself out of Egypt, from the nations and their gods. You established for yourself your people Israel, to be your people forever, and you, Yahweh, became their God. Now, Yahweh God, the word that you have spoken concerning your servant, and concerning his house, Confirm it forever, and do as you have spoken. Let your name be magnified forever, saying, 
Yahweh of armies is God over Israel, and the house of your servant David will be established before you. For you, Yahweh of armies, the God of Israel, have revealed to your servant, saying, I will build you a house. Therefore your servant has found in his heart to pray this prayer to you. Now, O Lord Yahweh, you are God, and your words are truth, and you have promised this good thing to your servant. Now therefore, let it please you to bless the house of your servant, that it may continue forever before you, for you, Lord Yahweh, have spoken it. Let the house of your servant be blessed forever with your blessing. So um, this chapter is one of the high points in David's life. And in fact, it's, it's one of the high points in the Old Testament because this is here that we have a prophecy of Christ the Messiah. Well, there are a lot of Messianic prophecies, but there's one hidden right here in this passage. Because David wants to build the Lord a temple. David realizes, um, one of the commentators that I um, read he, uh, he, he likes to imagine what it would have been like. And th this is how he imagined the scenario. He said, one night, David was standing on the roof of his palace looking over Jerusalem, and it was a rainy night. <laughs> of course, we don't know if this is true or not, but this is how one commentator imagined it. And he said, as David looked over Jerusalem, and the storm was coming in, and the rain was coming in, and the clouds, and he looked down, and there was the tabernacle of David, you know, the tent that David had set up. And there was the Ark of the Covenant in the tent. And as David looked down, the wind was blowing the flaps. And David looked at his house and he looked at the Lord's house and said, I've got to build God a house as good as mine. <laughs> I don't know if that's true or not, but, but this chapter describes how David realized that I'm living in a good house. I've provided for myself, but I want to provide for the Lord. And do you know that that type of thinking is very rare? There's not very many people who think, what can I do for the Lord? How can I bless the Lord? How can I love the Lord? Lord, what can I do for you? That's kind of uncommon, but David does it right here. But whenever someone does do that, what the Lord did for David, the Lord also does for them. And this is what happened to me. Years ago, um, the Lord gave me a promise. And, and um, the Lord said to me, he said, if you pray for my family, I will look after your family. And um, I, that was back in 2009 or 10. I started fasting two days a week for the body of Christ because the way I saw the family of God was not just the Christians in my own church, but the Christians in my whole town. It was Mount Morgan back then. I was pastor of a little church in Mount Morgan. And I looked at the other churches in Mount Morgan and I thought, you know, these people, plus the ones in my church, this is the family of God. We're one family. And I started fasting and praying that God would make them one. And I thought that the Lord was going to move in all of their hearts and change all of them. It was me that ended up changing. Um, and I fasted and prayed for the family of the Lord for more than 10 years. And just recently, the Lord's asked me to have a break. I was not expecting that, and I uh, expect that I will fast again in the future. But so I, I did that, and the Lord brought so many great things out of that decade of fasting. But um, there was a promise. The promise was if I prayed for his family, that he would take care of my family. 
And so there are, every family has its challenges, every family has its struggles, but I know the Lord's at work and looking after, and I keep reminding him of his promises. And this is what happened here in this passage. David wanted to build God a house, but God said, because you have that heart, I'm going to build you a house. And that's how it works. And the Lord is calling us all to have a big heart for him, a big heart for the body of Christ, for his family, for his church, for his house, for his temple. It's all the same thing. And um, when you have a big heart for what the Lord wants, the Lord has a big heart for what you want. In the New Testament, when we talk about communion, there's this whole thing about examining ourselves before we eat and drink. Because, you know, the Bible says if we don't, we eat and drink judgment on ourselves. Well, if you think about that with a bit of clarity, that's this situation in reverse. It's when people don't care about the body of Christ. They don't, because what is the body of Christ? It's people. It's the people all around you. When you don't care about the people around you, the, your fellow Christians, the church, the body of Christ, when you don't care about God's family, it affects your own body. If you don't care about the Lord's body, which is people, it comes to affect you in your own body. And that's why when people partake of communion wrongly, they eat and drink judgment on themselves. But conversely, if you have a good attitude towards people around you, the, the Lord's people, the body of Christ, the church, the family of God, it brings blessing upon you. So communion actually can be a source of life if you take it with godliness or a source of death if you don't. And so here we've got this promise that comes to David, but it's actually a, a promise that comes to us all um, if we see it the right way. But there's also a very specific promise because David wanted to build the Lord a temple. The Lord responded by blessing him, but the Lord said, actually, you're not to build me the house. It's going to be your son. Now, when we all think of this story, because we all know the whole, you know, we know the Bible story. We know that, oh, yeah. The son that built the temple was Solomon. Stop for a second. What temple was God really speaking of? Was he talking about just a physical building in Jerusalem, you know, 3,000 years ago? Or was he talking about something a bit grander, a bit more eternal? The temple that the Lord was speaking of was actually you and I. Because the, the scriptures say that we are living stones built together to become a temple. And who is the son that builds that temple? Jesus. <laughs> so the son that was going to build the temple was actually Jesus, the son of David. And so it's, it's kind of a double prophecy. And when the, Lord, when the prophecy said to David, you will not build the temple, but your son will. Sure, it was Solomon. He built the physical temple. But that physical temple was just a symbol and a picture of the real temple, which is being built right now our lives being knit together, and Jesus is the builder. The Bible says that the Lord will build the church. Jesus said, I will build the church, and the gates of hell will not prevail. Jesus is the son of David who is building the temple. Now, there's an interesting part here. In this prophecy to David, it said, um, now, if your son doesn't listen, I will punish him, <laughs> but I will not take it, my kindness away from him. Now, that's definitely not talking about Christ. That was talking about Solomon. Now, did Solomon do anything wrong? Yes, we'll get to that. But did the Lord punish him? Yes, the Lord split the kingdom and took 10 of the tribes away. But did the Lord remove his love? No, the, the nation of tribe of Judah and the tribe of 
Simeon and a bit of Benjamin remained. That was the two and a bit tribes and technically a bit of the Levites as well. They remained with the tribe of Judah. Um, but it kind of speaks of Christ because guess who was punished for our sins? Jesus Christ. He bore our sins to Calvary. He didn't commit the sins, but he was punished for our sins and he took the sins upon him so that the love of God would not be removed for us. So even in that, it was specifically talking with Solomon, even that is a picture of Jesus Christ. At the end of this um, promise, you know, David gets this promise and he goes to prayer and he says, Lord, who am I that you would do this for me? And then he says to the Lord, do it. You know, he, he comes to the Lord with humility saying, I don't deserve this, but Lord, do it. Now, that's a very, very interesting combination of humility and faith. Now, a lot of us, me included, we, we don't tend to mix these two things very well. We think that if we don't deserve something, like if we're humble, oh, I don't deserve it. And because we have that attitude, the faith is gone. And we don't really, we're not, we struggle to believe for it to be done. But David is able to combine knowing that he doesn't deserve it, but saying to the Lord, now you do what you've said. It's such an interesting combination. And I think that that is real humility. Real humility is knowing, is knowing that you need the Lord and putting your trust firmly in him. So what we're seeing here is not kind of a false humility or which we're more used to but true humility. It's an interesting example here that we should all copy. So I suggest you try it out today in your prayers. Even if, if your prayer time is right after this video, try it out. If your prayer time is later tonight, try it out. I suggest you think of promises that you have been given by the Lord and you recognize you don't deserve them. So go to the Lord and say, Lord, I don't deserve your promise, but now do it. And put into practice the attitude that we just observed in the life of David. So Father, we do that right now. We acknowledge that we don't deserve anything. Lord, that like David, Lord, we are just weak. We're human beings. We're full of sin. And yet we acknowledge what Jesus Christ did for us was done for us. And Lord, I thank you that not only were sins taken away and the penalty of sin cancelled, but I thank you, Lord, you put promise into our future. And now, Lord, we want to say, Lord, fulfill your word to us. Lord, may your name be glorified and your name be lifted up in our lives by, Lord, the fulfillment of what you have said. So, Lord, thank you for these promises in Jesus' name. Amen.